The number to call anytime to get a hold of Lior, you don't know it by now, 1 855 821 5900 and Lior, L I O R, at employmenthour.com. Tons of stuff to get through on the show today. We'll enlighten you with the severance pay calculator. That is an amazing tool. But uh, first, we always get to the week that was. What happened? That's right, Johnny. Thank you very much. Really, really uh, great to be here uh, on AM640, AM900, talking about our uh, workplace rights, anything to do with employment law, anything to do with whatever happens to us if we have a job. So this is the show. Pay attention. We're hopefully going to address some of those questions that you've always had nagging in the back of your mind, and hopefully we can answer those and, and then some today. And uh, to get you a sense of the types of uh, issues that you, you'll hear by listening to us, I'll start with the week that was, a couple mm-hmm. of situations that I've addressed and I've, I've seen in, in just the last few days. The first one has to do with this issue of conflict of interest. And when a conflict of interest happens between the employee and the employer and, and, and what happens there. So let me tell you the, uh, the scenario here. Uh, the person that called me, a gentleman, he had worked for a company for several year, years in a sales position, selling uh, types of a computer software and doing fine, never had a problem, making good money, uh, except his employer found out that his wife is actually working for a competitor, essentially doing the same thing right. except for a competitor. They got very upset about that. They didn't know about it before, and they let him go for cause, saying, there's a conflict of interest. Your wife is working for our big competitor. We, we can't trust you. You didn't tell us. So we're letting you go for cause. We don't have to pay you anything. And, and you're packing up your stuff and leaving right away. And he called me at that point and, and wanted to know what his rights were. Well, the first thing I asked him is, well, did, did you work with your wife? Did you help her? Did you in any way uh, do any work for that competitor, the one that your wife worked for? And he said, absolutely not. We had nothing to do with each other. She did her job. I did mine. And that was it. So I said, well, in that case, there really isn't a conflict of interest. A conflict of interest would arise if you yourself, the employee, is do, are doing something that contravenes your employer's interest. You have to act in your employer's best interest when you have a job, and you can't do something that contravenes those interests. But you're not. If you're telling me and there's no proof that you've done anything to, to hurt your employer other than being married to someone that works for a competitor, mm-hmm. then there's no conflict of interest. And in that case, uh, you know, essentially you're guilty by association. Just by virtue of being married to someone that's a competitor, uh, you, you can't actually be guilty. So that was a wrongful dismissal. The company did not have a right to let him go simply because his wife was working for a competitor. It would be a very different thing if he himself was on the side working for a competitor or doing something to hurt his employer potentially, but he was not. There was no evidence of that. And, you know, the guy had worked for, I think, nine years, almost 10 years. So he'd be looking at a year's pay is what, uh, you know, his damages, his compensation is going to be as a result of his wrongful dismissal. And that's my job now to help him with that. So I wanted to, to raise that as an issue here. A conflict of interest can't be assumed. It can't be something that's implied. If there's proof that you as the employee did something to, to hurt your employer, yeah, that could well be cause. It could be a conflict of interest, and you may be able to lose your job for cause. Otherwise, anything short of that would be a wrongful dismissal. What kind of proof would the employer would have had to dig up to make it uh, to make it stick? Well, you know, it's 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 a great question. I mean, they would have to know or, or show that he either invoiced that company or that he provided assistance to his wife to do the work. Some some proof, and and you're right. It's probably impossible to prove because, frankly, even if he did. No one would probably know about it. So unfortunately, again, guilt by association just doesn't work. So, you know, keep that in mind. Very important uh, for people to understand that. And also a reminder, John, how difficult it is to terminate employment for cause. What else you got? 
Second situation, a very interesting one, actually. I, uh, I spoke with an individual. He'd worked for a company for a while, and he was recently up for a promotion. Uh, and he felt that he should get the promotion. He felt that he was the most senior person there. But uh, it, at one point, it seemed like he's not going to get the promotion. And he got very upset about that. Uh, and he got into a bit of a, a discussion, a number of discussions, actually, with the company. And at one point, apparently said something to the effect that, well, if I'm not getting this promotion, if I'm not going to get it, I'm going to leave next month. I'm going to quit next month. And uh, the, the very next day, an uh, employer comes to him and tells him, well, if you're going to leave next month, you're gone today. We don't, we don't want you to stay, so you, you, off you go. And the company then essentially took the position that he resigned. Uh, so he called me, and he wanted to know what his rights were. And I asked him, were you really intending to resign? And he said, well, no, I've worked with this company for a long time. I can't afford to be out of a job. He's in his 60s. Uh, and, you know, talking in the heat of the moment, I was trying to, to, to express my frustrations for not getting this uh, promotion. And, no, I never wanted to resign. But I did say the words, you know, if I don't get the promotion, I'm going to leave next month. Well, guess what, John? As you know by now, hopefully – and we'll talk more about resignations later in the show, that is not a resignation. Because he spoke in the heat of the moment, he didn't clearly and unequivocally express a desire to resign. So because of that heat of the moment and all those circumstances, it's not a resignation. What happened to him now when they told him to leave? He was terminated. Therefore, he's owed compensation, he's owed his full severance, and the fact that he uttered the words, I'm going to be leaving, doesn't change that. So the lesson here for our listeners, and we'll talk more about it later in the show, you can't be deemed to have resigned. If you expressly and clearly, unequivocally, without reservation, said, I am leaving, I'm resigning, fine. Anything short of that is not a resignation. And if someone takes something as a resignation that it shouldn't be, that's a termination. It could be a wrongful dismissal. You know, it's funny when you think about it, though, just before you said the outcome, a guy you know of that age close probably to the end of his professional life, possibly some guys don't, but some ladies don't as well, but... You know, if he really wanted to and he said that and they said, fine, then you're fired, it would almost be the best of both worlds because he would quit, but he wouldn't quit, but he'd still get severance for being fired, right? Yeah, he almost you, got what he wanted. You said it, I didn't, but, but in a way, <laughs> right? I don't think it's a bad situation. So right. he gets, you know, he's going to get well over a year's uh, severance here and, right. you know, he probably won't be able to find another job just by virtue of his age. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is a company that should have acted a bit more carefully. If he wanted to quit, Let they should have given him the opportunity right. to quit. And that would have been a resignation. But exactly. the fact that they, they, they jumped at it that way, that's way too premature. So very bad move. We'll take a, a quick break. Lots more to come. Some emails uh, coming down as well for that. It's Lior at employmenthour.com. The number anytime, 1-855-821-5900. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900. Lior at employmenthour.com is uh, the email address. We'll get to some of your emails here in just a bit. Give me some details on the severance pay calculator, would you? Yeah. Thanks, Johnny. And absolutely, the severance pay calculator, John, is a tool that we've created. And uh, we try to make the name as easy as possible for people to understand what it does, severance pay calculator. Mm -hmm. It calculates, it tells you how much severance, how much compensation you're owed if you lost your job. How does it work? Well, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Again, it's severancepaycalculator.com. You input your age, your position, and the type of job that you have. Uh, and sorry, the length of your employment, your sure. age and your position, I should say. Uh, I should know this by now. And it tells you <laughs> how many months compensation you're owed if you lost your job. Very easy to use, completely free, anonymous, 
literally over 100,000 people have used it by now. Uh, it's changed the way employees and employers look at termination of employment. Uh, it's about informing, empowering. So don't do anything before you use a severance calculator if you lost your job. Tell others about it. SeverancePayCalculator.com. You know, the nucleus of this show for the past, you know, almost four years has been termination, and that's what we revolve everything around, and we uh, branch out from that particular particular topic. So let's get into that. Termination of employment. We'll go through some bullet points here, and I'll let you rip through each one. Um, for instance, is it more difficult to terminate for cause an employee who has worked for the company for a longer time? Well, absolutely, John. And, and, and to set this uh, the stage here, it is always difficult to terminate for cause. I don't care if you work for a month. Uh, it's still extremely difficult because it's it's the capital punishment. It's reserved for the worst offenders. So no matter what, unless you've done something really bad, really awful, it's going to be very difficult to terminate for cause. But it is that much more difficult uh, even to let go uh, for cause a long service employee. You're you're expected to receive more consideration from your employer. You've been able to establish yourself. Clearly, you're a good employee if you've lasted a long time. So all of a sudden, for you to be guilty of such bad conduct that you can be let go for cause, you would have had to do something horrendous, something really, really awful. So it is extremely difficult. So when it comes to a termination for cause of a long-service employee, unless you catch someone in, with a hand in the safe or they're beating up someone in the workplace, yeah, it's, not, it's almost going to be impossible to terminate for cause. And despite what I just said, you would think that that should be clear and obvious. Yeah. So many employees are let go for cause way before they should because the employer is either doesn't properly assess when it has cause and when it does not have cause, or the employer doesn't want to build up its case, doesn't want to give prior warning, prior discipline. They just want to pull the trigger. So remember, if you've been let go for cause, unless you are guilty of really significant misconduct, You've probably been wrongfully dismissed, and then you have to give me a call because you could be owed full 100% severance, uh, and, and uh, that's the only way to get it is giving me a call and having me help you and assess whether, in fact, the employer had cause. A number, by the, uh, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. So what if someone has only worked for, say, a couple months, a few months? Does that mean they maybe get a week or two severance? Yeah, probably one of the biggest misconceptions yep. that I come across, employers and employees. I speak with employers every, every every day, John. They're calling me wanting to find out how much they owe their employees when they let them go, and they'll say something, you know, uh, Bob has worked for us for six months, so we're assuming we're only owe him a week's pay, maybe two. And when I told them, well, you may owe him three months or four months pay, they, they think I'm crazy or they, they think they, they misheard me. Well, the reality is that short service does not equate to little severance. In fact, the opposite could be true. Long service employees, or, or sorry, short service employees are often treated better when it comes to severance than longer service employees. Uh, so you may have an employee that's only worked for a few months that despite only working for a few months, they're let go. They're owed a few months severance. You could see six months of employment equates to six months severance or you know two years of employment equating to seven, eight months severance. So remember that, that just because you lost your job and you haven't worked for a long time doesn't mean you get nothing or you get a week or two weeks pay. You may be able to get a lot more. Always use the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. What's the logic exactly. behind that? Why? Well, the reason for that, it's assumed that just because, well, let, well, let's take a step back. What's the purpose of severance? The purpose of severance is to try to bridge the gap between when you lost your job and when you're hopefully going to find another job, Right. Well, it's, it's assumed that just because you worked somewhere for a short period of time doesn't mean it's going to take you less time to find another job. 
So if you work for a year as opposed to work for five years, doesn't mean that just because you work for a year, you're going to find a job in two weeks. So that's why oftentimes short service employees are treated better uh, or disproportionately better than long service employees. SeverancePayCalculator.com, the place to go. We'll hit one more of these in the last couple minutes of uh, this segment. Does the employer have to pay severance all at once? Yummy, yummy, lump sum, or is there installments? Did you just say yummy, yummy? Oh, yeah, I love the lump sum. Big fan (laughs) of the lump sum. Big chunk of change at one time. <laughs> yes, man. Me too. Me too. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so to answer the question, no. Uh, the employer usually does have a choice when it comes to severance. The employer can pay it all at once, yummy, yummy, uh, as a lump sum, <laughs> or the employer can pay over time, what we call salary continuation. Effectively, continue paying the employee on payroll for for the relevant period of time. So, even though the employer has that choice. That's a negotiable point. So whenever we're negotiating severance with the employer, one of the things we're always addressing is whether the employee is going to get paid as a lump sum or salary continuation. Sometimes it's a combination of the two. So the employer has discretion, but we can always negotiate that. So if you're negotiating that, and I would assume that most uh, employees, or in this case, ex-employees, soon to be ex-employees, would rather have a lump sum. Um, the negotiation, I'm assuming that it's the company might say, okay, if you want a lump sum, we're going to knock off 30%. First of all, don't assume that all employees prefer to have lump sum. And here's why. If you get one payment, you'll get taxed a lot Ah, because it's going to, it's going to be as if, if you get $50,000 on on the next payroll date, you're going to be taxed as if you're making $50,000 every two weeks. So you're going to pay a lot of taxes. Now, a year later, when you do your taxes, you, you may get it back. But in the meantime, you're paying taxes. So in some situations, it is actually better to spread payments over time. But oftentimes, employer will, you're right, employers will try to trade off and say, fine, if we're going to give you the money up front for you to use, then we want some sort of a discount. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you can take 12 months payable in installments, or you can take nine months payable all right now. What do you prefer? And again, that's all negotiable. At the end of the day, the employer doesn't legally or can't legally require you to take less than what you're owed just because you're paying it in a lump sum. You're owed what you're owed. Taking the vague, as Tony Soprano would call it. Uh, we'll take a short break. In the meantime, the number is one 821 5900 You want to drop an email, we'll get to a couple of those in the next segment. Uh, we'll plan to anyway. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour. It continues right here. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 at employmenthour.com for an email. We're talking about the termination of employment and the bullet points. Uh, therein, here's our next one. If uh, if there is cause, cause for termination, does the employer still need to pay severance? So, you know, it's generally assumed uh, that if, if there is cause, I talked earlier on the show how difficult it is to terminate cause, but let's say there is cause, you've done something bad enough to, to be let go for cause, do you get severance? Well, the, the general answer is no, you don't get severance if there's cause. There are exceptions to that, and usually the exception is if whatever you did to be cause was not willful misconduct. So if you're just a bad uh, truck driver and you keep getting into accidents and the employer is saying, hey, you got to be more careful and, and you're not, you be, you're just like a crappy uh, truck driver and you let go for cause eventually properly, well, unless you're damaging the truck and getting into accidents on purpose, you will still get your minimum severance. So you won't get your full severance, right? Because there's cause, but you'll get your minimum severance. So that may mean you may get uh, two months pay instead of six months pay. Uh, and again, it's different in every situation. But even in situation where you are let go for cause, unless whatever it is that you did is willful misconduct, you will still get a portion of your severance, not your full severance. And in some cases, that could still mean tens of thousands of dollars 
even more of a reason if you're let go for a cause, unless you're stealing. If you let go for a cause, anything other than stealing violence, you have to give me a call. And that number is one 821 5900 That would be the first step. But what else do you do if the employer says it has terminated your employment for cause? Well, the other thing uh, you want to do in that situation, John, is you want to understand what the allegations actually are, okay? Unlike a termination without cause, where really the reason doesn't matter. Whenever someone is let go without cause, i.e. with severance, it doesn't really matter what the reason is. What matters is whether or not you've gotten proper severance. Uh, But if a termination happens for cause, you want to know what you're accused of doing so that you and I can speak then and I can understand what the allegations are and, and be able to properly advise you. So ask questions, find out uh, you know, what the, what the complaints are. If there's prior discipline that you've received, get copies of that. Make sure that you have all of that available. Help me assess what, uh, the, if what the employer did was proper. So don't just say, okay, I, they let me go for cause. Why? Well, I have no idea. That, that's not helpful. Ask the questions, get the documents, make sure that uh, we're able to properly respond and deal with it. Now, the employer, say, has not uh, let you go for cause, terminated you for cause yet, but they're threatening to. What do you do then? Yeah. Well, you know, if your employer is threatening, and oftentimes you can feel or you can sense your employer trying to build a case yeah. against you. So, you know, all of a sudden, things they used to do, they were fine. They're not fine anymore. Now you get criticized. Maybe uh, you, you're getting unfair or improper performance reviews. You've been uh, given a warning, maybe even a suspension. Well, you, that usually happens when the employer uh, is trying to get ready to terminate you for cause, even if they're not explicit about it. Well, what do you do in that situation? You don't make it easy. Number one, obviously, you keep doing your, the best that you can in your job. Don't give them any reason to think that, uh, that you're not doing your job. But beyond that, if you're accused of doing things uh, or criticized for doing things and you don't agree with those things, well, make sure you say so. Put your position on the record. Make it clear that just because they say you've done something wrong and and you're silent about it, you're not accepting it. If you don't accept it, say so. Silence usually is the same as acceptance. So put your position in writing. Uh, If there's any documents you have, materials, that uh, established you didn't do it, make sure you have them in case later that comes back to haunt you. Do your own due diligence. Build your own case to protect yourself as much as possible. And, and honestly, John, if your employer is building a case against you, you can always give me a call and I can give you some tips as to how to deal with your specific situation to avoid being let go. Okay? Very important. That number, one 821 5900 You can also email leor at employmenthour.com. We'll bounce to one right now. i got one came in from Richard. says... Uh, I've been employed for the last three years through an agency. The agency is the one that pays me. They just told me that there is no more work for me, but did not say anything about severance. Am I entitled to anything? Anytime, John, you lose your job, anytime there's, quote unquote, no work for you, that means you've been terminated. You are owed compensation. It doesn't matter if you work through an agency. It doesn't matter if you work full-time, part-time, if you're on contract or otherwise. If your position ends... Whatever you call it, there's a hundred ways to uh, to refer to a termination. If you are out of a job, okay, it can't be any clearer than that. You are owed severance. So the same thing happens here. If you're working for a company through an agency directly with the company, but then the agency calls you one day and says, well, don't bother coming in to work anymore. There's no more work for you. Okay, that's fine. But you are owed compensation. You are owed severance in the same way that you would be owed if you were just a regular full-time employee. You can still use the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com, find out how much you're owed. Anything less than that, anyone that tells you anything otherwise is wrong, that would be a wrongful dismissal. So 
Doesn't change the analysis, the fact that you're working through an agency. Now, who pays that severance, the company or the agency? Well, to be honest, in the eyes of the law, they're both liable for it. Oh. Okay, so uh, the law, the, the the law would deem both of them liable. So one of them has to pay. And from my perspective, it doesn't really matter to me or, or to the individual as long as they get paid. If I had to pursue the matter by way of legal action, I would probably see compensation for both, and they could figure out in between the two of them, the company and the agency, who is going to pay it. But the law makes both of them liable for it. So in a sense, you actually you're in better off situation because you potentially have two pockets you can go after. Because it would make sense if it was just the agency. Well, then every employer would just use an agency to hire yeah. people. Why not? Right? Absolutely. Why would anyone ever hire anyone directly? You know, you right. you guys, of course, have uh, how many employees? Hundreds. I myself have fifty employees at my law firm. Why would I ever hire anyone directly just through an agency? Then I have no liability. Yeah. As you just alluded to, the law is a lot smarter than that. You can't avoid your legal liability by hiring someone through an agency. It doesn't work that way. First thing to do is call 1-855-821-5900. If you're in that situation, you can email Lior at employmenthour.com. Thank Richard for that. We'll get to more emails here in, uh, in just a bit. In the meantime, we'll take a short break. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com is the email address to get a hold of. We were talking about, before we got to that email, uh, termination of severance and some bullet points under that. So I'll give you this one. How can uh, how can a termination for cause impact a person's future employment? I.e., like, what do you tell prospective new employers about the reason you were let go? Because a lot of people have that worry, right? It's like a yeah, blemish and, and, on the record. And when I started practicing law, and you know, and I was dealing with people that were terminated for cause, I always focused on the severance. You know, well, you didn't get any severance; you should be getting severance. But you know, I've learned over the years that in many cases, when someone's terminated for cause, there's other issues that are at least as important, at least as big. If, if you let go for cause. And one of them is the fact that, well, what do I say now? I'm going to looking for a job. And the first question they're going to ask me is, why aren't you working for the previous company? Right. And if I say the word, I was let go for cause, that's it. No one will touch me with a 10-foot pole. So effectively, I'm unemployable. And, and how am I ever going to work again? So, and, and the reality is there's no perfect solution to that problem because you can't lie. I mean, I guess you could lie, but it's always a bad idea to lie and give another reason because if later someone finds out that you were lying that there could be consequences. So the best way to deal with that, if in fact the cause is not justified, is let me deal with your former employer and in the process I can do two things. Number one is I can get the severance that you wrote, but number two, I can essentially rewrite history. I can get the employer to agree to refer to the termination as a termination without cause. Nice. And even issue a new record of employment that reflects that. So that way, once that's done, you can go to a prospective employer and say, eh, it was a termination without cause. In which case, that's fine. No one's going to hold that against you, and you can become employable again. So that's why it is so important. It's always important. But especially if you have been let go for cause, it is so important to get legal advice. Your, your future employability, your future career prospects may depend on it. I'm going to ask you this one. I know we go through it each week, but it's uh, three and a half years in, and people still don't know. Is there a quote-unquote rule of thumb in terms of how much severance an employee should get? Yeah, and uh, it is so, so common. Uh, people believe that, and, you know, that there's a rule, that there's a direct linear correlation between length of employment and amount of severance. Some people think it's a week's pay for every year, yep. two weeks' pay, a month for every year, whatever it is. I've heard all kinds of numbers being used. All of those are wrong. There is no such direct uh, correlation. The, there's three main factors. There's more than three, but the three main factors that go into assessing severance is age, 
position, and length of employment. All those factors have to be considered. Longer you work, the older you are, more more time uh, it's going to take you to find another job, more senior position. We have to consider all those factors when assessing entitlement. In some situations, someone may be owed six months' pay for every year of service. In some situations, they'll get one and a half weeks for every year of service, depending on how those factors uh, play out for them. So no, there's no such rule. So if you are let go, how do you know? I've said this before. Well, you can always give me a call, but you can always also, if you want to do it, you know, at uh, 11 p.m. on a Saturday night, where I, I'm not going to pick up the phone, trust me, uh, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. You find out exactly how much you're owed. And you can use it, by the way, even if you've, you, you're you not let go and you don't even think you're going to be let go, sure. but you just want to know. And, and you know, if you just want to know, severancepaycalculator.com works great. Make it a home game. Guess how much severance I get, guys. Anybody want to take first crack? Right? You know that type <laughs> That's of thing. Right. You can do That's that as right. well. Uh, that number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. So uh, I'm going to ask you this. Um, you, can, you can base this on the last 100 cases that have come across your desk. How common is it for severance packages to not be adequate? You know, uh, and I, uh, I I posted recently on our social media page uh that ninety uh, percent of mm-hmm. severance offers are completely inadequate, and I had someone question me: Is you know, what, what are you relying on when you say that? Is there some sort of a study or anything like that? Well, I'm not aware of a study, but what I can tell you is that I myself have been doing this now for nearly fifteen years, uh, and we have seventeen lawyers working at my law firm. Between all of us, we have seen thousands of thousands of of severance offers. So that's all the market research that I need. And I can tell you, John, that over 90%, I'm being very conservative when I say 90%, but over 90% of of, uh, severance offers are are completely inadequate. I'm not talking about inadequate to the point where it should have been four months and you've been offered uh, three. That's still inadequate. I'm talking about, you know, it should have been 12 months and you've been offered three. So that's why odds are, if you're looking at a severance package without even reading it, you have over 90% odds that that offer is not adequate, that, that that offer does not correspond with your legal entitlements. And that's why it's so important to call me to use the calculator because that's money that you're owed. Why would you ever, ever walk away from tens of thousands of dollars that the law says you should have? Not me. I don't say it. I don't get to decide that. If the law says you should have it, then you should have it. And, and that's my job to make sure that I can get you only what the law says you should have, not a dollar more. I can't get you one dollar more, not a cent more than what the law says you should have. My only job is to make sure I get you everything the law says you should have. The next question everybody's screaming at the radio right now is why? Why is there so much inadequacy? Why employers do that? You know, it's uh, it's a question that I get asked all the time. If it, you know, Leo, if it's so straightforward and if I'm owed much more, why why my, would my employer right. offer me uh, a fifth of what I'm owed? Well, there could be several reasons, and there are several reasons. Oftentimes, your employer itself may not know. Very true for smaller companies or companies without sophisticated HR people uh, and legal advisors. They may believe that it's a week's pay for every year or that you're owed this much instead of that much, and that's common. So don't assume that your employer actually knows. In other situations, it's listen, it's, it's, it's a market economy. If the employer wants to get the best deal for itself, then it's going to try to do that. So if the employer thinks, well, I know that I, I owe John 12 months pay, but I think John will accept four. So I'll offer John four. Play the odds. And if John accepts four, hey, good mm-hmm. for me. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's up to the employee to inform themselves. Okay? So that's why these things happen, and that's why it's so common. And again, it's not up to your employer. 
to tell you how much you're owed. It's up to you to find out and be informed. And then if you're not offered what you're owed, to do something about it. Well, I know. And I mean, an example of that, and I know you went through this a couple of years ago, example would be the now defunct Future Shop. I mean, there's a company who let thousands of people go, play the odds, offer everybody 20 cents on the dollar. If nobody bites, they've saved themselves a lot of coin. Yeah. Right? And, and, and even if a sm- uh, some of them get more, per- some of them pursue it, they still saved on other thousands of employees. So right. they play the odds. And you know that's not just true for Future Shop. It happens for many employers. If I let 10 people go and I offer all of them inadequate packages, I'll assume that one or two may come back and I'll have to pay those one or two more. Mm-hmm. But hey, the other eight people, I've paid less. So I'm still way ahead of the game. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number, and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to an email as soon as we come back from a short break. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number to get hold of Lior anytime you'd like. Lior at employmenthour.com is the email. James writes in, says, I just started back at work uh, last week on modified duties after being on disability for a few months. We'll get to some of that as well in just a moment. Uh, at the end of the week, the company let me go. They gave me no reason. They offered my fifty-two. They offered me 52 weeks pay after 23 years uh, as an employee, as a production manager. I'm 62. What are my rights? So 52 weeks pay, a year's pay, 23 years, he's 62. Well, first of all, let's start with the fact that irrespective of, of the medical condition and the modified duties, that offer is completely inadequate. It's mm-hmm. probably about 50 cents on the dollar. He probably gets 20 to 24 months compensation. They've offered him uh, essentially a year's pay. So that's already a big problem. They owe him a lot more than that. And I don't know how much money he's making, but obviously a year's pay is going to be tens of thousands of dollars, maybe more. So uh, so that's already a problem. You've been wrongfully dismissed just by virtue of the fact you've been offered about a year's pay less mm-hmm. than what you're owed. But beyond that, and, and here's the, the, the real pot- uh, potential concern here, is if you're sick and you're on modified duty, then they let you go no reason. Maybe it's possible, maybe even likely, that they let you go because of the fact you're on modified duties and they don't want to accommodate you anymore. If that is the situation, that becomes a human rights issue. It's separate from the wrongful dismissal. And even though uh, you're owed more severance, you may also be owed compensation for breaching your rights under the Human Rights Code, for discriminating against you, for wanting to no longer accommodate you. So I really need to speak... Uh, with with you, and I need you to to help me understand whether or not the reason itself for letting you go you think has anything to do with your medical condition, and then we can also pursue uh, and, and get your full severance, which is going to be a, a big difference. James, at number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and you can email again Lior at employmenthour dot com, just like you did the first time. Let's talk a little bit about LTD, long term disability. Uh, who can go on LTD? Well, the person that can go on LTD is a person that, uh, that they can't work, where the doctor, the person's doctor says, this is my patient. My patient cannot continue working, is unable to work right now. So whether you suffer from a medical condition that's a physical one, you know, you've broken your arm, you've broken your back, uh, whatever it is, or a mental one, depression, anxiety, uh, etc., if a doctor says you cannot work, you have a right to go on a medical leave of absence. Uh, and if you have a disability plan, you can go on to the disability plan. Your employer has to allow you to take time off work. They can't question that. Uh, but remember, it has to be triggered by a doctor. You cannot decide for yourself whether you want to go off work. A doctor has to say that. And if you have a doctor saying that in writing, that triggers all kinds of entitlements. You mentioned there uh, in that... In that uh response about uh, the LTD plan. Does an employer have to have an LTD plan? 
So no, an employer does not have to have a LTD or what we call a long-term disability plan or even a short-term disability plan. So most employers now, certainly the larger ones, but even the small ones often do. Uh, and uh, they don't have to have one. And if you are sick and can't work and you don't have a long-term disability plan, obviously you can't go on long-term disability. At that point, you can apply to the government for EI while you're on a disability leave, and, and they, they will pay you for about three months uh, potentially. And beyond that, if you need to be off for more than three months, you may be stuck with being on an unpaid leave of absence. So does an employer have to have one? No, it's always a good idea to have it. A lot of employers do. And if you're an employee and your employer is giving you a choice whether you want LTD as part of your overall benefits plan, I highly recommend that you have it. You'll be really glad that you did. It's it's like insurance, you know. You should always have life insurance, even though you're not planning on, on dying anytime soon. Right. Uh, the same thing with uh, LTD. You really want to have that there in case something happens. So now we determine that you're on it. How long can you be on it? So you can be on a long-term disability or on a disability leave as long as the doctor says you need to be off. Uh, so it's really up to the doctor. The problems arise, of course, when uh, an insurance company may try to kind of nudge you into going back to work before you're ready, maybe even threatening to cut you off, or your employer is trying to put pressure on you to come back. And, and these things happen. And oftentimes we work with people and help them and, and resolve those issues. But remember, if a doctor says you cannot work, if you agree with that assessment, then you cannot work and you should not go to back to work. And, and anyone that puts any pressure on you to go against your doctor's orders is wrong, and you cannot do that. You end up hurting yourself, and the law protects you. Before we go to a uh, break here, I'll ask you one quick one. In fact, I'll wrap two questions kind of into one. Can the insurance company cut you off, and what happens if they do off your long-term disability? Well, no. <laughs> An insurance company should not ever cut you off if a doctor is saying you cannot come uh, uh, to, to work if you cannot work. Unfortunately, they do often because they're in the business of not paying if they can avoid it, and they oftentimes hope that the person, once they're cut off, they, they won't want to pursue it. The reality is that uh, if an insurance company cuts you off before the doctor says you're ready, we can resolve those disputes usually quite easily. Uh, we can uh, you know, stand up to the insurance companies, deal with them, make sure that they know that we're not going to stand for it. Sometimes legal action is required, but we can resolve that. And if you are cut off before the, uh, the disability uh, or sorry, before your doctor says you should be cut off, your insurance company won't pay you anymore, give me a call. I promise you we can resolve it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number, and Lior at employmenthour dot com. A few more minutes to go. We're back after a short break right here in the Employment Hour Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and Lior at employmenthour dot com. We'll wrap up this week's show with uh, an email. Jill gets the uh, the last call here. Says my employer let me go. I tried to negotiate my severance with them, and they said that it is their policy not to pay any more, and they won't change it. There you go. Is there a uh, point in having Lior review my severance letter? Yeah, and, and here's what we need to know and remember. The employer doesn't get to decide <laughs> how much they pay. The employer doesn't get to have a policy saying, well, you know, we, we decided we, we only want to pay this amount. The law takes care of that for us. The law decides how much uh, you get paid. Now, if you sign an employment agreement, a contract of employment that agrees in advance how much money you're going to get paid if you lose your job, that's a different thing. But an employer doesn't get to have a policy that way. Just like, well, you could t- your response could be, I n- employer, I understand you have a policy, but I have a policy too. And my policy says you have to give me 10 years pay. Well, obviously that would be ridiculous. But it would also be just as ridiculous when the uh, the employer says, I have a policy, so I'm not paying anymore. So is it worth contacting them and dealing with it? Absolutely. 
Once I'm contacted, we will deal with it. They will retain their uh, legal advisor who will tell them the same thing that I've been telling you guys here on the show. Yes, you, you do owe the person more. The fact that you want to pay a certain amount doesn't matter. It's a question of what the law provides. We're going to look at age, position, and length of employment. And on that basis, we will decide how much a person is actually owed. So I've had many cases over the years, John, someone uh, now wanting to call me or reluctant because, well, I've already tried to speak to the employer, they'll say, on my own, and they said they're not going to improve it. So what what more can you do, Lior? Well, guess what? An employer is not going to uh, just give you more just because you've asked for it. Uh, they're going to give you more when they realize you've called them on it. Now they know. Now you know what your legal rights are. Now you have been informed rather than hope to get more. Right. And once you've done that, once uh, uh, you, you've shown them that not only do you know you're willing to pursue it if you have to, it gets very easy to resolve these things. You have to give me a call in those situations. Run through it for one more time. Severance pay calculator. That's right. So we spent quite a bit of time on the show today talking about different aspects of termination of employment, what happens if you lost your job, can you lose your job, etc. And of course, it comes down oftentimes to compensation, to severance. You know, the law doesn't know how to make things better if you lost your job when you shouldn't have. The law doesn't know how to deal with hurt feelings and how to punish the employer if they let you go improperly. The law only knows how to compensate you for the loss of your job. And that is what severance is. So to know how much severance you're owed, you go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out exactly what the law would assess you at. Uh, it's, a, it's a great tool. It's easy, easy, easy to use uh, and uh, very, very simple. Go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out. And if you have the option there right from the severance calculator to press a green button to contact me if you want. Uh, so make it at the first place you go to if you have that unfortunate meeting where you find out that you've lost your job. And again, we tell people all the time that uh, when that number pops up at the bottom of it, it's uh, it's it's not it's not false. It's true. Don't be don't it's be shocked. Not. Right. I've actually had a couple of employers call me in the past week alone, uh, saying we've used your calculator and this is the employer and and you know we found that we owe this person fifty thousand dollars and holy cow that must be wrong. Or please tell us that's wrong. And you know I have to break the news off. And well, it's not wrong. Uh, you know, we can talk about how in the future you can avoid this liability with employment agreements, yeah. but you have to pay what you have to pay. Same thing applies to employers and employees. And they can contact you right at the bottom of it if they so choose. Otherwise, it's completely anonymous, yeah? It's completely anonymous. It's only if you want to contact me. I don't have any access to the information that you input there. It's completely for the person's benefit, severancepaycalculator.com. Nice. Until next time, one 821 5900 and com. We'll catch you again on another show right here, the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM640 and AM900, CHML.